Welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. Hi, my name is Michael Ewald, host of Credit Hour. This week, we interviewed Dom Plitzewhite, head women's basketball coach, about her journey into coaching, women mentorship, and what important qualities a leader must have. Hi, Don. How's it going today? It's going well, Michael. How are you? Good. Um, you know, we wanted to talk today about something that's called Coach P's Pack. And I think it's, you know, a, a simple description would be that it's a basketball clinic, but it's so much more, I think, than just that. Can you just give us a description of what Coach P's Pack is? So Coach P's Pack is a group that we started two years ago when we arrived here at the University of South Dakota. And it's a, it's a group for girls in grades thir- three through eight. And what we'll do then is we'll invite those girls to come to a clinic. So they'll have a two-hour clinic with our players, and they'll work on basketball skills, and they'll have a chance to sign to get signed autographs. But then the really neat part of, of that program is that those girls then get letters from our players. So our players will write a letter. Our, one of our uh, directors of basketball operation, Alex Anton, will actually type it up for them. We'll get it produced and then our players will come in and sign it sign it to all the girls that are in that group and then the girls will get a letter and they'll get about a a letter every two weeks and that will tell them what's going on in the life of a college student athlete and ask questions the girls in that age group and those third through eighth grade girls and then what happens then is they have an opportunity to come to games interact with those collegiate players, but I think it really helps them form a bond or a a mentorship for these girls who are in our community to really be inspired by some collegiate athletes and for our collegiate athletes to really understand that they are role models. They're little eyes that are watching them all the time. And it becomes a great way for our, our young ladies in our program to really get connected with the youth in our community and to really help them form bonds that you don't always have a chance to do in other ways. I'm curious, where, where did this idea come from? Great question. I worked at the University of Wisconsin about 20 years ago, and at that point in time, our head coach was Jane Albright. And Jane Albright really started this with Jane's Gems, and it really kind of grew when we were at Wisconsin. And then when I had a chance to go to the University of Wisconsin Green Bay, we took the program with us to Green Bay, asked Jane if that was okay, and we took it there, and it became the Phoenix Phenoms. And then when we went to the University of Michigan, it became Borseth's Bunch because our head coach was Kevin Borseth. And so, so it's grown. The is important. Th- that's exactly right. So it's been, it's a program that we really see as a valuable tool for, for the youth in our community to not just care about basketball, but, get, but to get to know what it's like as a life of a collegiate student athlete and really to help inspire those girls to, one, approach everything that they do with a great deal of confidence um, and, and understand that it's not only okay to have fun in athletics, but that's almost a, we want it to be a requirement. We want them to love what they're doing. I think mentorship is so interesting, and I think that you know when you talk about sports, maybe because you, you your coach becomes such an important part of your life, it's kind of ever present the idea of mentorship. And you know, if you are involved at a youth, you know, kind of the older players mentor you as you come up. I'm curious. Why is mentorship important in today's kind of world in which, you know, people can learn, they can just go on the Internet? Why, why is forming a relationship with someone important to kind of the educational process? 
Well, I think certainly as, as a part of collegiate athletics, we're a part of a, of a larger initiative, and that is to really f- have an opportunity with, with the young ladies that we coach to not only coach them in basketball, but to reach them in their very formative years and, and to help them understand that it's more than just going out on a court and trying to score or defend. It's bigger than that. Now, our mission as coaches here at the University of South Dakota is to help our young ladies grow into confident young women on the basketball court, but certainly outside of that arena as well. And and what that means for us, and we do a lot with our, our young ladies and then try to help that continue to spread. So we, we're unique, Michael, in the respect that we don't necessarily have team rules. We have expectations within our program. And our first expectation is to be your best. We ask for our, our players' best effort in the classroom. And last year, our team had a, last semester, our team had a cumulative GPA of over 3.5. And we have young ladies who are in very challenging majors. We ask for their best effort, certainly on the basketball court. That's what we're here to do is to teach them how to play the game, how to get better, and, and to give their best effort. And when they give their best effort, we'd like to celebrate those successes. But at the same time, if it's not, we need to teach them what that looks like. We ask for their best effort in terms of community outreach. You know, we are, we have an opportunity to play in an arena that is really special here at the Sanford Coyote Sports Center. We have an opportunity to play in some great, in front of some great fans who are really into it. But we also, and this is where the Coach Peace Pack comes in, we have an opportunity to reach out to and positively impact our community. And so from that standpoint, we ask for their best effort in, in forming those relationships and being pen pals and doing more than is expected of them. We also ask for our best player, our player's best effort when it comes to being a teammate. And I think that's something, again, in, in our, our student athletes formative years, it's important to understand that over the course of four years, no matter how good those players are, they will never play 40 minutes of game for four straight years. And so how we act and how we interact with each other on the bench is not only something that we hope happens at a high level, we expect that to be at a very high level. So that's expectation number one is be your best. Expectation number two is to be thankful. I think certainly as a division one collegiate athlete, our players have so much to be thankful for. And it's easy. As human beings, we have so much to be thankful for. The ability to play, the ability to be a part of a a great program and a great university. Uh, The opportunity with the gear that our players get to represent their university, the the meals that come along with it, the way that we travel, all of that is great. And I think certainly the first time that you get your first set of gear and you get, get to the locker room that first summer and you've got your shoes and you've got your practice gear and maybe you have a long sleeve t-shirt and you're, you got a backpack that says the University of South Dakota. It feels like Christmas and you're really, really excited. And then after a while, it, it becomes very easy. And I'm, I always say that nobody's perfect at this and I'm really the worst. So I have to be reminded the most. And all of a sudden we look around and we say, oh, look at the new shoes that the men's basketball players got. How come we didn't get those, Coach Aaron, who's in charge of our gear? Where is that from, from our standpoint? And so I think then we need the gentle reminders to take a look at, you know, really recognizing what we have to be thankful for. And we're really fortunate here at the University of South Dakota because we have very gracious, very humble, very thankful individuals. And then the third expectation within our program is to enjoy the precious present, really be in the here and now. And I think this is something that is is probably always been difficult, but I think certainly in our day and age of how much social media interaction that our, our generation and certainly the generation of millennials that we coach, that how much interaction they have with that, it becomes a quick hit. And so I think it's really easy easy to 
be trying, we brag as females all the time about how we can multitask, but sometimes it's better to tackle one thing at a time. And so certainly when you, when we recruit student athletes and we coach student athletes who are very high academic young ladies, they really care a great deal. And they've put a lot of time and effort into what happens in the classroom. And sometimes they have their first B of their entire career, academic career. They can go through elementary school, middle school, high school, and now they come to college and they get their first B or their first C, something other than an A. And and now they have to react to, okay, now I've got to come practice and play basketball. Or you flip that around and now you play and you've been used to playing and being the best player. Or we maybe we play a game and a player didn't play particularly well. Or we as a team didn't play particularly well. We as coaches didn't have them in the best possible scenario. Whatever it is, we didn't perform at the, the level we wanted to. Now you have to go back and study because you have your Chem 101 exam tomorrow. And, and you are expected to do your best. And so how do you differentiate and how do you separate those two things? And how do you really focus on being in the here and now? You know, certainly we do an awful lot with our team in terms of team building. We talk about three phrases that are really important for us toughness, togetherness, and find a way. And so when we work on the togetherness piece, we're, we spend a lot of time together. Maybe it's at our house. My husband cooks for the team, which is great. Grills out. Gets, he convinced me that he needed a smoker with a remote control. I'm not really sure why, but we have that. And so the players will come over and we'll spend time together. And at that point in time, we actually take their cell phones and we put them in a little, a little basket or a little bucket. And we just really focus on turning, t- taking, uh, taking the electronics, putting them away and focusing really on being in the here and now. So I think what we do, Michael, is a little bit unique in the respect that we, we're asking for our players to, again, become the best version of who they can be and but focus, focus on being their best, focus on being thankful and focus on enjoying the precious present. You know, that was going to be my next question was actually you've obviously as a coach, you've coached at different um, you know, colleges, universities, um, been exposed to a lot of good coaches. Is there a commonality that exists with a good team? I mean, because I, I, for me, I, I feel like I've been a part of really good teams before. I've also been a part of some not so good teams. Is, is there a particular thing that you can point to and say, you know, th- th- every good team has this? Well, I think those are where our three words really come from that are in our locker room. One, you have to have toughness, the the toughness to be a great team. And I think when you look at basketball, you think about the toughness in taking charges or the toughness in diving on the floor, jumping out of bounds to save a loose ball. But we really look at toughness as doing the little things every day and doing the little things well. And, And that's difficult to do. And when I first started coaching, I thought, that's just what you did. It's just how, because that's how I had been coached throughout grade school, high school, and college, and thought that's just what every program looked like. But understanding that the details are really important and taking care of the, the details on a daily basis can really just be defined in, in the toughness. Now, again, it looks good when you're taking charges and making that game-changing play, but the toughness it takes to be a great team and do things right is really, really important. The togetherness piece. When you coach females, and I think this is probably true across the board, and and we have a son, and so we've had a chance to coach his team a little bit in AU. But it, I really believe with females, there's a camaraderie that needs to be there and a chemistry piece that needs to be there in order for players to really feel comfortable and know that their player, their teammates are, are celebrating their 
teammates' successes rather than their own successes. So that chemistry, that camaraderie, that togetherness piece is really big for us. And then the third piece, I think, of, of certainly great teams and great programs is, is our third phrase, which is find a way. And sometimes we, we say it's not necessarily have, it doesn't always happen the same way every time we use an example of rebounding. We may not have a six, seven kid that can go snag 25 rebounds in a game. And so it may mean one, one player's boxing a particular kid out. One player it just isn't even trying to get the ball, just keeping her kid off the glass. One kid may have to tip it. Another kid may have to dive after it. And the, the fifth kid may have to go secure it. So it might not look as pretty and as simple as one player going up and grabbing the ball off the rim. But together, we found a way to get things done. You know, to kind of flip that question then, is there a particular aspect of a coach that you know you found all good coaches possess a certain quality well I would say the coaches that I've been around all possess uh, I think a, 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 two two really key qualities one is a, a care care factor I think you really have to care about the kids that you coach and and that then is exemplified by the relationships that you have with those kids and that takes time and certainly, you know, through the recruiting process, you have an ability to develop that. Now, sometimes, and certainly two years ago, when, when I was fortunate enough to come here, we didn't have a chance to really recruit those young ladies. And so now you're going through the process of really getting to know them and have them understand that that we care as much more for what the lessons that, that we're able to teach them on through the game of basketball and how they're going to apply to their world as a, as a nurse or as a teacher or as a mom, that's, that means more to us than anything else. So I think all great coaches that I've been around have had that care factor. They have a, that kind of a connection with their young ladies. And then I think a competency factor, a competency factor in, in understanding your sport and, and demonstrating to your young ladies that, that, you can help them get better. For us, a huge part of our program here at the University of South Dakota and our women's basketball program is is individual development, to watch our young ladies develop as basketball players, but certainly to watch them develop off the court as well. I'm curious, what inspired you to pursue coaching? You were a fairly standout collegiate athlete yourself, you know, but you probably could have taken that drive, uh, that focus, and applied it to a lot of different fields. What, I guess, drew you to this lifestyle? And the reason that I ask is that, you know, everybody sees a coach when they're on the floor. Coaching is a lot of work. It's a it's a fairly difficult lifestyle. You're always traveling. You're always kind of on the move. And so you have to be sort of really passionate about it. And I, I'm curious where that comes from. Well, it's a really interesting question because I actually planned on going to college to be a kindergarten teacher. And then for whatever reason, I really had thought about being a sixth grade teacher coach. Well, then the school that I picked to go to attend Michigan Tech University was a school that didn't offer elementary education, but it offered secondary education. So then I thought, well, I'm going to teach biology and math. And and actually, I thought math. I never thought that I'd teach a science. But then when I got into math and it became theoretical math, I couldn't handle it anymore. That was way over my head. So to explain why, I, I couldn't quite grasp that part of math. So then I thought I'd be a teacher and still a sixth grade basketball coach. And I think sixth grade because that was the coach that I had that probably inspired me the most. 
Well, then after college, my husband and I got married. We dated long distance for five years. And, and now we got married right out of college. I signed a contract to go play overseas. And that was before you really hired an agent. It was way bu- well before the WNBA, way before the ABL was around. So I signed a contract to go play in Copenhagen. And once I signed that, then my, I had about a month after we got married and we were training, we were visiting friends. And the two of us were going to go live our lives overseas for a little while. My husband went to college and he, he has a background in social work. So we were going to be really rich. He was going to be a social worker and I was going to be a teacher. And, and, but we were going to save the world one child at a time. And, and now we had planned on we're going to take a little time to go travel. And now th- about three or four days, maybe even a week before we were scheduled to depart and, and head to Copenhagen, then I got a phone call from the coach who had told me that they had 30,000 Bosnian refugees who came to um, came to the Denmark area or Copenhagen specifically and I said I don't really know what that how does that relate to me what does that mean and and then they told me well that means your husband will not get a green card that means he can only be here for so many months it means he won't have health insurance and so that's when I, that's how I got into college coaching because that's when I called up my college coach who offered me a job about three months earlier and said hey coach Forseth do you still have that job that <laughs> that you offered me three months ago and he laughed he said don't I have someone in my office right now who I'm just about prepared to offer the job to and I said okay I understand if you don't have the job anymore that's fine I'm sure we'll find something to do in life but then he called back and he offered me the job so I always say I don't think I, I chose college coaching college coaching chose me and now 23 years later it's it's been an incredible field for 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 me and for my family. <laughs> That's interesting. And you know, I was going to ask this question before. I thought I'd wait till the end of the interview, but I think such a big part of coaching, right, is kind of dealing with the curveballs that get thrown your way, dealing with defeat. I mean, I look back at the season that, you know, your team had this year, incredibly successful regular season, Summit League championships, obviously fell a little bit short in the actual Summit League championship tournament. You know, it's it's hard to say that that was an unsuccessful season, though, even though you didn't maybe reach your, you know, top pinnacle goal. How have you... I guess, approach teaching your uh, student athletes how to deal with defeat, how to deal with the obstacles that get thrown their way? Well, I think it's certainly really important for us as coaches to understand that our, our goal is to not only teach our players how to play the game, but also to mentor them in how to deal with success and how to deal with failures and and how to embrace adversity and since we have been here it's been it's been something that I think our young ladies have really excelled in and done a great job with when when we had gotten here five seniors had graduated four starters three 1,000 point scores one of them was a 2,000 point score probably the best player maybe one of the best players in Summit League history you know and and now all of a sudden we our starting point guard was going to be Jasmine Trimboli and we thought well Caitlin Duff who is the returning starter will help us and those two kids are both out for that first year and so now it's just a matter of okay this is what we do we're going to be fine this is and it's really important for us as coaches to set that tone you know I think this year we we really did have a remarkably successful season and yet at one point in time in the non-conference we had losses to to Oklahoma State, we had lost to Tennessee, we had lost to Stephen F. Austin, we had lost to Tulsa, and at that point in time, there were a lot of people that were wondering, well, are we going to be any good at all? <laughs> so yeah, we just, we got beat by some pretty good teams, you guys, and Iowa State, I'm sorry, I forgot about them. We've gotten beat by some pretty good teams, we're going to be okay. And and yet, how we dealt with the Tulsa defeat, which felt like, you know, almost a, 
a devastating defeat. And it wasn't. It was the, sometimes things happen in the game and you can't control all of them. But Tulsa's top five players hadn't played together prior to that time. There were some kids who were hurt. So there were some players who had been suspended. All of a sudden, it's the perfect storm. They all come together. They're all playing at the same time. We've had a number of players who were in and out of lineups because of injuries. You know, we're still trying to figure ourselves out. And then and, and we lose. And we have a two-point, actually a one-point lead with... I think it was 27 seconds to go. We have an out-of-bounds play that we run. The ball just slips through one of our kids' hands. They go down and score, and now all of a sudden we have a deficit. We go for a quick score. We don't make it. Now we're down three. Now we have to battle back. And so in all reality, it it wasn't as devastating as it felt, but it felt that way. So now how do you come back? How do you battle back from that? And and what was interesting is I've never done this before as a, as a head coach and certainly never even as an assistant coach, but we gave our players a, a piece to read on, and it's from a book called Mental Toughness Training for Sport, and it's all about how to train your mind. What is your ideal performance state? What should you be thinking before the game starts? So instead of just focusing on the physical training, really focusing as a team on the the mental training of the game. And I really believe that that helped us, certainly playing in in some tough environments later on in the season and at Western Illinois, who had won the conference the year before, um, at our rivals up north who have a distinct advantage in their arena at Frost. So our young ladies took a look at reading some of those passages over and over again. What does it mean to be physically very relaxed and yet very energized? And so that was something that I thought really helped us, but I think really helps your your young ladies understand even off the court in approaching how they how they study for tests, how they prepare themselves for interviews, that it's okay to be excited, but you really have to be in in the zone and, and confident and and you have to really be relaxed at the same time. You know, that's interesting. A few months ago, um, I can't even remember I was involved with some sort of speech training and there was a theater professor there and um, you know she talked about that that you're always going to have the energy it's up to you on whether or not you interpret it as nervous energy as sort of or as the energy that kind of elevates you to that next level I'm curious do you remember any of these passages um, are there is there any sort of little bits of wisdom that you might be able to tell us as far as how to focus and use kind of that energy productively as rather than let it affect you negatively well we actually started that a little bit as a team we read about it and and certainly we understand that as a basketball player on the court you can be fueled by negative energy so let's say you get really frustrated and you get really mad well in our sport you can go play defense and that can fuel you to play harder for a stretch but there's a point in time when that negative energy becomes a destructive energy and it doesn't help you perform to the level with the fine motor skills aspect of the game that that you want to be able to to perform well at hitting shots, passing the ball. And so now we talk about how do you get yourself from a point where you're feeling you're feeling frustrated and now you've got to feel relaxed. You have to be in your happy Gilmore in your in your happy space and how do you do that? And so we talk a lot about focusing on on helping your teammates. So when you're focusing on celebrating for your teammates and cheering for your teammates and talking to your teammates, you take that 
the pressure off yourself and you focus on something that is outside of you and you're helping your teammate. And what happens then is you all of a sudden get into the right frame of mind as well. And so we do talk about some of the specific ways to try to get from one zone to the other zone or, you know, how to make sure that we can, you're not feeling great. We haven't been making many shots. We do a drill in practice where we have to make, let's say four out of nine, uh, four, we have to score four out of nine possessions or we have to score six out of 12 possessions or seven out of 12 possessions. And, and so now all of a sudden we start down, we're 0 for 3. Okay, now, now what can we control? Well, sometimes we can't control if the ball goes in the basket, but we understand that when we communicate at a higher rate and we're talking to each other, for whatever reason, we, that has a positive effect on, on the ball going in the basket. And we seem to relax a little bit more. And so what are ways that, that you as a teammate can help yourself relax, but how can you also help your teammates relax and how can you encourage them? You know, as a coach, uh, it's it's interesting because I think, you know, you kind of have the depiction of a basketball coach on the sideline as someone who's shouting, you know, maybe at the referees. Have you... I've done that once or twice. <laughs> have you found that, that you have to control your own emotions to help your team control theirs? Or, uh, you know, what would be your, I guess, leadership style? I think that's a very good point, Michael. I think it's so important as, as coaches. And I remember specifically this year, this is one of the funniest experiences that that I've ever had in my coaching career. We were playing at Frost Arena, and before the game, I'm talking to one of our assistant coaches, and I'm telling him, you know, I know that I need to remain calm in this environment, and it's going to be very challenging to do that because this basketball is a game of runs, it's a game of spurts, and it's very easy to get caught up in the momentum. And there will be a point in time when calls are suddenly going to go against us. That will happen. I know that. When that happens, I also recognize I need to do my best to remain calm, to help our players remain calm, to remain in the right frame of mind. <laughs> and so we talked about specifically what happened earlier in the season at Stephen F. Austin where I didn't remain in that frame of mind. And I didn't do a good job leading our team the way that I wanted to and in the way that I felt like I really needed to. And so what was really interesting is that all of a sudden during one of the timeouts, we go from a seven-point lead down to a four-point lead, now down to a one-point lead, and there's a timeout. And there's a picture on the bench where I actually told the, the coach that I talked to came over and kind of patted me on the back and reminded me to stay calm. And then I started smiling to our players to hopefully get them to the point where they understood we're okay. Look at the scoreboard. We are the team with the lead. We're okay. Let's smile. Let's take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. So I think it's really important for us as coaches to be what our players need. And sometimes it's to create some of that energy that they need and understand that we need to stop playing with fear, but now we need to play with excitement or whatever that case is. I think that's a very, very good observation on your part. How difficult it is, is it as a former athlete to be on the bench, to sort of not have maybe your thumb, you know, directly on the the ball and, and be able to you know, just go out there and, and score the ball maybe the way you think it should be? Do you find that sometimes frustrating or is it, have you kind of, are you kind of past that point? Well, early now? in my career in coaching when I could still play and, and show the players what to do, it was, a, <laughs> it was, it was probably a lot harder for me at this stage of the game. I can't do those 
those things anyway. So it becomes a lot easier to kind of stand and observe and, and watch. And now it actually becomes kind of funny because our, the, our, the relationship that we have with our players is, is, is a fun relationship. I remember the last game of the season, we were putting in a, a new sideline out of bounds play because in women's basketball, the game has changed and it's evolved. And now it's like the NBA. We can call timeouts, advance the basketball. And what we, we call the play, you know, it's a down diagonal screen and it's a you know, down screen on this side, and we gave it a name, and the players were just teasing me about the name because we keep the th- keep the names pretty simple for them. And so now, in the middle of practice, there are jokes running, there's laughing going on, they're making some kind of hand gestures about how I should call the play on the sideline, and and so I think from that perspective, that was a moment during the, the our first two years here that I I said to our players, that's exactly it, that's exactly the mentality that we want you to have. We don't we want our young ladies to work their tails off and have fun doing it and if we can get our group whether it's 12 players 15 players to be on the same page where they're again they have to work hard there are a lot of teams that giggle and laugh and have a good time and don't win basketball games and don't work very hard that's not fun that's not what I'm referring to but have our group work their tails off and then smile and laugh and have a good time and I thought that was really exemplified this year with our group because there were so many pictures of our bench and our bench celebrations and those young ladies who don't have the same opportunities or maybe not right at that moment aren't in the game but yet are still a major part of the, the how the team is feeling and how the team is reacting and and they know that their teammates have their back and are excited for them that's a great feeling and a great um, way for our young ladies who are on the court to then continue to play with great confidence. You know, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but if you want to learn something, you should teach it, right? I think that's what you try to do with Coach P's pack um, is put your players sort of in leadership roles, and then they're going to you know, discover things maybe about themselves that they weren't aware of at the beginning. I'm curious, as you've kind of gone through your coaching career, what have you learned about leadership, um, about being an effective coach that you've maybe has changed the way you've thought about something or, or maybe affirmed it? Well, I'm going to give you one story, and then I'm going to tell you kind of what we've done here that's a little bit unique, something that we started probably two or three years before we actually before I actually came to South Dakota. But there's a our son was a seventh grader, and he's running cross country for the first time, and I really liked his coaches, the great people. And they, as a seventh grader, they decide that he's going to run varsity. Well, he's this little itty-bitty thing, you know. And he gets out, and he starts in the first – first varsity meet as a seventh grader and I'm thinking he's never run a meet before he probably doesn't even know how to not get lost he's gonna who knows if he'll take the right turn in the woods whatever and so now the the mom in me is thinking I'm not sure that our kid is good enough to run varsity I I I don't know how he's gonna perform I hope he doesn't get spiked or trampled by these other guys that are so much bigger than he is and then the coach in me is saying trust the coach the coach knows what he's doing and so he runs and it looks like this a scene from a gladiator movie at the beginning where there's 300 runners and they all take off and and AJ is such a little guy he takes off on a on a sprint and he gets ahead of everyone and then he doesn't have any gas left in his tank to finish it and he gets passed by a bunch of people at the end but he finishes in the finishes in the 30 35 range out of you know a couple hundred runners so he obviously was in the right place well now his his 7th grade year they go to the state championships they have a great senior class is eighth grade year um, he competes for a state championship as an individual his freshman year now of high school his coach at one point in time comes to me and says AJ needs to be a better leader for us 
And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Do you want him to have team breakfast at our house? Do you want him to run ahead of the pack on a daily basis? Do you want him to run with the pack on a daily basis? Do you want him to, you know, talk to everyone when they're done running? What is, what do you mean by that? Because that's what you have to define that for him. And I thought for myself, it was a, a point in time where I really believed in coaching I saw it at a different angle. I saw it as a parent and thought instead, what we need to do is train our players with exactly what they, what we mean, we want leadership to be defined as. I think as a coach, a lot of times I would be saying to our players, you need to communicate on the court. Okay. What, what should you be communicating? What should you be saying? What does that look like? And so what we've actually done is, is we started a program and this is, this is something that's very unique in women's basketball. It's probably unique in college athletics, but we've started a program. We call it our elevate program. And it's, it's meant to elevate our young ladies into confident young women. And certainly it helps us on the basketball court, but it's not intended. It's meant to transcend athletics and really help them become confident young women. And there are four categories in Elevate. One is personal personal growth. And in personal growth, it could be a cooking class, which again, you're doing as a team. And so there's, you're building that togetherness piece, that camaraderie, that, that chemistry, but you're also teaching them something that is a valuable lesson. Now we have some young ladies who come from homes where they cook an awful lot. We had some this year, freshmen who their moms packed all their little food and froze it for them and put it in their freezers. And then they had to call home and ask how to put it in the microwave and warm it up. So all kinds of extremes. So it might be a cooking class. It could be, we did last year, a, a an etiquette training. And so our, our young ladies learn not only which spoon and fork, but how they, they're athletes, right? So they're hungry. They want to eat three or four rolls. Well, that's maybe not proper etiquette when you're at a, at a fancy event to probably eat three or four rolls. And so it might be something along those lines. It may be social media training. It may be um, just some other fun aspects of this year we're talking about doing some golf etiquette because certainly when our young ladies get out into the working world there are an awful lot of times that you have to it's it's possible that you'll be doing some networking while you're on the golf course and not a lot of our young ladies know even the golf etiquette much less golf lessons but just the etiquette behind it so there's a personal growth area there is a perspective category in perspective we say you see life through the set of lenses that you have and your set of lenses you have are based upon the experiences that you have so we try to help our young ladies have different experiences when we were fortunate enough to go to australia our first summer the one thing that we asked as coaches when we came in was to look at the itinerary and add a couple community service pieces to go with that and so we did a basketball clinic in the projects in melbourne now we didn't teach much basketball because it wasn't it wasn't about that it was about connecting with kids and giving them hope and having fun with them and giving out some t-shirts to them from the University of South Dakota. But then we, our, our kids had a chance to see that. And then we did a clinic in at the uh, most prestigious high school, the school that you would go to in a grade school and, and high school in Sydney. And from there, work with some of the young ladies, maybe in the middle school. And for our, our team, they walk in and they think, okay, well, we're used to playing in the Dome. You know, we have this new SCSC being built, but we're playing in the Dome. And we have the West, you know, we've got the, the West Gym, which isn't the nicest practice facility in the world. But this must be really nice. If you're going to be a, a high school or, or middle school, go on to high school, and you're going to play in Australia and then move on to the United States, this is a school that you're paying twelve dollars to $14,000 a year to go to. And when our players saw the facility, it was an outdoor court with wooden backboards and they didn't have enough money to put nets on. And our players at that point in time gained a perspective of, oh, wow, we have it pretty good. Life is, is really good. 
But we've also gone to the community or to the the nursing home here in Vermilion. We do community service within the schools and help our young ladies see a different set of, see life through a different set of lenses. In the same way in that perspective category, we bring in female speakers. We think mentorship is a really huge aspect for them. So, you know, we've had Nancy McCarran, who's been a student and, and whose father has been a, an athletic director here and who is a coyote through and through and has been a professor to hear her story. And then we've, we actually had, uh, Amy Freeberg come in, who is the first female president of the National Hay Federation in over 130 years. Think about that. 130 years, never had a female president. And now Amy Freeberg is going to be that president. And oh, she happens to be a great fan of Kiowa women's basketball. And so to hear her story and, and to have some parallels that they can take with them. And then actually Sheila Gestring who is our, our president-elect here at the University of South Dakota, was a speaker that came in. And I think it's really valuable for our young ladies to hear what it's like to be a female in sometimes male-dominated professions. And how do you wear your high heels and your lipstick and then go out and interact and, and what's important in that type of situation. So we try to build that perspective piece in a lot of different ways. Well, and that was the question I wanted to ask was, is there... You know, it could be in terms of just the approach. Is there something that you emphasize that maybe you wouldn't if you were coaching a men's team um, that, that you think is important to impart on, you know, your, your students? I think the biggest thing for females is to carry themselves with confidence. I really do. And, and we one of the other categories in Elevate is leadership. And you had asked that question earlier. And leadership for us, we've taken a, a, an approach. We work with Jeff Jansen, who is a leadership expert who re- relates specifically to athletes. And what he's done is helped us differentiate between, okay, you're a freshman and you, you're just, you're an emerging leader. And what, how do you, first you have to learn how to be responsible and manage yourself and coach yourself. And then you can learn how to coach others. But if you can't coach yourself and you're not giving your best effort and you're not responsible for all the things that you need to be responsible for, then it's, it's difficult to lead. You know, we, we, the equivalent we give there is, you know, when, when our students, student athletes then go out into the working world and now they have their first job, they're not leading when they first start as a nurse or as a teacher or in the business field, they're learning how to do their job and do it to the best of their ability. And then there are kind of the, the rising leaders. The rising leaders are the ones maybe in their sophomore, junior year, and they're, they're the young ladies that now have to take a more active role. Well, that's similar to now you've been in your profession for a couple of years. Now it's important for you to continue to you know, expand your horizons, but then also start to guide some of the, the, the people around you maybe that are relative a little bit newer in the profession than you are. And then, you know, our veteran leaders, our, our leaders who've been here for a while. And, and what does that look like on the court, in the classroom, or in, in the classroom, in the locker room? What does that look like? And so then again, later on in your your career outside of athletics, what does that look like? And so I think, the, but the biggest thing for females is the confidence level, which takes us to our fourth category of Elevate, which is accountability. If it's to be, it's up to me. And I certainly think that in in our generation, in our day and age, it's very easy to say if it didn't work the way that I want it to work out, it certainly isn't my fault. And so what we try to do is, again, through stories, through speakers, through books that we have our young ladies read, help build that understanding that you have control. Sometimes you don't always have control of the exact situation, but you have control of how you react to that situation. The ball didn't go our way in the Tulsa game or the Stephen F. Austin game. How do you then affect what transpires next? You know, to 
I guess, end the interview, we like to ask a somewhat reflective question. Um, and I steal it from Oprah, and I feel like I have to say that every time so Oprah doesn't sue us. Um, but, but I'm just curious. Are you, you going to ask me for my aha moment? A, a little bit. I, I like Because I'm an Oprah fan, so this is pretty cool. <laughs> well, it, it's, so it's the question I want to ask is, what do you know for sure, right? After the career that you've had, um, obviously coaching and playing basketball in many different places, traveling you know, all across the world, having opportunities to do those things. What do you know for sure? That's a great question. I was waiting for the aha moment with Oprah, but I would answer, what do I know for sure? And I would probably answer it in two, give you a two-part answer with that. The first thing that I know for sure is that this is all about people. And we tell our young ladies when we're recruiting them, we might have the fanciest bells and whistles. We may have the the greatest things alive for you, the greatest gear, the greatest facility. But that's not what makes you happy and it's not what keeps you happy. It's all about the people that you're around. In coaching, it's all about the people. It's all about the people that are in our program. It's all about the people that we, the athletes, the young athletes that we coach. It's the people that we have a chance to surround ourselves with. So I think understanding that is really important. We just went through an interview process to hire a new assistant coach. And what was really interesting is that you look at you look at applicants and their level of expertise, how many years they've been in it, have they been at the Division One level, all those kind of things. And yet one of our coaches said, well, I didn't have any Division One experience until – and I was trying and, and all these coaches wanted to hire me, but I couldn't get a job because I didn't have Division One experience. And you gave me that Division One experience, and I think that, that young coach is a phenomenal, phenomenal young coach. And so to me it's about the people and the fit and how that is going to affect our culture. I think that's some, our culture because the people that we're with is everything to us. And then from there we'll figure out basketball. We'll put those pieces together. Uh, and I think the second thing that, that I know for sure is that this is an ever-evolving opportunity in terms of I have to continue to learn and evolve because the game changes. Our, how you relate to each generation changes. And so to think that at some point in time that I, after 20-some years that I, I know it, it never st- – my, my eagerness to continue to learn because I know that it's changing is something that is, is, uh, is really, really important to me and it's something that I know for sure I have to continue to get better at. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. We really appreciated it. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grades. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we interview USD's Vice President for Diversity, Lamont Sellers, about inclusive excellence. Until next time, go Yotes.